Welcome to the Lake Point Church Weekend Messages Podcast. Thanks for joining us to hear the latest sermons happening at our church. We pray that God speaks to you in a timely way through this message. And if you're encouraged by this podcast, be sure to rate, review, and share it to help get the word out. You can find more digital content to feed your faith and our other podcasts by visiting lakepoint.church/digital. Now, let's tune into the message for today. Happy New Year, Lake Point. I invite you to stand. Let's celebrate what the Lord has done. He's rescued us. He saved us. Here we go. I was buried beneath my shame. Who could carry that kind of weight? It was my
Jesus. You guys can be seated as we join our brothers and sisters who are being baptized. Good morning, we have the Locke brothers here today and first is Oliver. And Oliver gave his life to Christ on November 25th. It comes today to make that public. Oliver, is that your story that you've asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior and forgive you of your sins? Yes. It is my privilege to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And this is Grover, and Grover gave his life to Christ back on November 25th as well. He comes in and make that public. Grover, is that your story, that you've asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior and forgive you of your sins? Yes. And it's my privilege to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's all right, it's fun. And this is Jim Estel, and Jim gave his life to Christ in March of 2012 and comes today to make that public. Jim, is that your story, that you've asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior and forgive you of your sins? Yes. And it's my privilege to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Oh, the joy of baptism. <laughs> That was so great. Hey, welcome. We are so glad to have you back in 2019. I know that the new year gets a bad rap sometimes with resolutions and all, but I just love it. I love a new year. I love that we serve a God who created times and seasons and years and that he makes new things, that he gives us new mercies. And just like we just sang about in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Yes, amen. And so my hope for us in 2019 is that we would forget the things that are behind and strain toward what is ahead and run hard toward the cross of Christ. Hey, a special welcome to you if you are joining us this first weekend in 2019. We are so, so glad that you are here. And we would love to learn about you and learn how we can serve and support you and send you a little information about Lake Point in your mailbox. We are not gonna show up knocking at your door. But so if you would, please fill out the guest info card in your worship guide and put that in the offering plate when it comes by or you can bring it to me in the Connection Center after service. The Connection Center is that glassed-in room right outside of the main auditorium doors and I'll be in there and we have a whole team of people that would love to help anyone that needs prayer, wants to know about following Christ, finding a life group. We are in there and would love to help you. And for moms, we have a special treat for you. This Friday night is Gather, and it is going to be in here from 6.30 to 9.30, and we are going to have a blast together. We're gonna laugh, we're gonna look at God's word, and we are going to leave inspired and ready to go home and love our families well in 2019. Tickets are going fast, we are almost at capacity, so make sure you go to lakepoint.org gather to get your tickets. Now, if you would, Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we praise you that you are a God of new things. Lord, we're so thankful that you've taken our hearts of stone and given us a heart of flesh, that you've allowed the old things to pass away, that we can embrace what you're doing, the new things. 
Lord, help us to walk in your newness. Help us, if there's anything we need to let go today from this last year, from yesterday, from this morning, God, could we just lay it at your feet this morning? And God, we also wanna put at the feet of Jesus this upcoming year. Lord, would you take 2019? Would it be a year where we look back and say, God did mighty things in our lives and in our church? And Lord, we also give you this time together this morning. Lord, we wanna meet with you. Would you please speak through Greg and speak to our hearts? It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Right now, if you would, please stand up, say hello to those around you, and join us as we continue to worship.
serve a God who can accomplish what is impossible for us to ever do on our own. And that's why we turn our hearts each and every week towards the Lord. We lift him up. We praise him for what he's done and for who he is. And the cool thing about that is, is when we worship God, he, he hears us and he draws nearer to us. Because what we do when we sing, we're doing what's going on in heaven. We're joining the heavens, worshiping our God, just think about that as we sing. You're an altar of broken stones, but you delight in the offering. You have the heavens to call your home, but you abide in the song we sing. Ten thousand eight. Thousand angels surround your throne to bring you praise that will never cease. Hallelujah from here below is still your favorite melody.
every knee bows before your name, but we will not wait until it does. For here seated as the ushers come to receive offering. We'll continue to worship. We're going to sing a song that we, we uh, taught you last week.
in the song that we sing and we can abide in your love that you're a God who does the impossible you speak to us when we were dead in our sin and you raise us to life you put breath in our lungs and a song in our heart and we just thank you for that we thank you Lord that you're in this place and we know that you have words for us today from your holy word and speak it straight to our heart God we're open to what you have for us in this new year. And we thank you for it. In Christ's name, amen. Happy 2019. I can't believe it. It's already a new year. I feel like last year just flew by. I mean, 2018, I mean, that just seems like it was 
just the other day. I mean, it was, but uh, this time of year, I love this time of year because it always elicits this feeling of like, wow, look at all of the things that have happened over the past year, right? We look back at the last year and we can look back with gratitude. We can look back at all the things that God did, all of the great things that happened in our lives and in our families and really can just look back with a sense that, man, God is amazing and he's done some great things in our lives. But this year also elicits a different kind of feeling, right? We look at um, the where we are currently and we realize that some of our hopes and dreams and our greatest aspirations did not come to fruition. Despite our best intentions, we are not where we want to be. We don't look like what, how we want to look like. Our relationships don't function the way that they're supposed to. We're just not where we want to be. And so the great thing about 2019 is it gives us an opportunity for a fresh start, just to kind of start over and say, okay, from this point on, I'm going to decide to change. That's what we really want, isn't it? We want to change. We want things to be different this year. And so I know many of you have started New Year's resolutions already, and so you've decided to uh, get back involved in the gym, you know, re-up that gym membership that you've had for quite some time, and you're actually going to start showing up, right? That's a good thing. Um, people are starting to download all kinds of fitness apps and weight loss apps and that sort of thing. It's good to lose all of that holiday weight, you know, from 2012, you know, that stuff we've been hanging on to for a long, long time. We're, we're looking at our relationships going, man, there's certain areas where I need, to, I need to fix. Maybe there's certain habits that I need to introduce into my life. Maybe some habits that I need to break. For many of us, we're looking at our spiritual lives as well. And we're going, you know, I just need to be, I need to be in a better place in my relationship with God. Man, I want to see some things change, really change. I want to see some um, real life transformation in my life this year. And so you've made some uh, commitments for your spiritual life as well. Many of you have decided that this is going to be a more regular occurrence for you. I'm going to show up here on a more consistent basis so I can hear God's word. Or maybe I'm going to join a life group because I know that in a life group, that's where I'm going to be challenged to grow personally and spiritually and, and then corporately with other people as well. Or maybe you've decided, like many others, um, to read God's word on a more consistent basis for yourself personally. So maybe you've downloaded an app or uh, some of the amazing resources that are out there for diving into God's word. And let me just say that. The, I, I applaud those commitments. And here's why. Because I believe when it comes to real transformation, real life change, that it's going to happen through God's spirit, but primarily through God's word. The truth is, is that one of the primary means that God has chosen to transform us is through his word, whether we hear it or whether we read it. So I know that your commitment to be here more consistently, to be in a life group, or to study God's word is gonna bear a lot of fruit this next year. Uh, so I'm, I don't necessarily wanna challenge us today of why we need to read God's word. Matter of fact, we did that about a year ago. And so you can go online and listen to that message about why reading God's word is so critical to our spiritual growth for true life transformation. What I wanna to talk to you today about, or really challenge us with today, is how we approach the word of God. Because I believe it's how we read God's word and eventually what we do with it that makes all the difference. Now let's take a look at James chapter one. Starting in verse 21, I think James gives us a real clear picture of how we're supposed to approach God's word. Uh, James 1, 21 says this, Therefore, get rid of all moral filth 
and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word. Now, some of your translations might read, humbly receive the word planted in you, which can save you. And here's the principle, here's the challenge that James is making to us today. Don't just read it. You've got to receive it. Don't just read the word, receive the word. And what he's saying here is there's a big difference between reading something and receiving something. I read an article this last week about the TSA, and uh, they were talking about all of the different rules and regulations they have. Of course, you're probably very familiar with all of those. Um, going through security at our nation's airports. Um, and they said that over the last year, they've confiscated over 4,000 firearms from people trying to go through security. Now, I know most people, hopefully all people, it was a mistake, you know, just mistakenly left their firearm in their bag or their pocket or something like that. But 4,000 times they had to confiscate firearms from people, despite the fact that everywhere you go in an airport, there are signs literally everywhere that say what you can and what you cannot bring onto an aircraft, right? Here's the principle. Just because you read it doesn't necessarily mean that you've received it. You get on the airplane, I don't know if you've done this, and the flight attendant is going through all of the safety protocol, the emergency procedures, and they ask you to take that card out of the back seat, back pocket there, and to refer to the card as they're going through all of that. So, and so if you're polite, like me, I take the card out, because I want them to see, yeah, I'm paying attention, right? And I'm looking at the card, and even though I'm reading the card, I'm not really receiving the information, because there's a big difference between what you read and what you receive. If you're a golfer, there are signs all over the golf course. I don't know if you noticed this, but it says cart path only, all right? And yet, there are lots of folks on the golf course that read the signs, yet they don't seem to have received the signs, if that makes sense, right? Speed limit signs. You're driving down Interstate 30, going 60, the sign says 65 miles an hour. Some of you read it, but you haven't received it, right? Now, let me get a little bit personal today because I know many of you are, have made a commitment to eat better and that sort of thing. So let me show you a label or a sign that we come across every day, all right? It's a nutrition label on the back of a carton of Bluebell, okay? <laughs> now let this soak in for a second. Just because you read it doesn't mean that you've received it, all right? Now, there's a reason they put that on there, okay? They put that serving size on there because there are folks out there that have, the, that have had the audacity to dish out more than a half a cup of ice cream. You've ruined it for all of us, okay? Just because you read it doesn't necessarily mean that you've received it. And this is what James is trying to tell us Today, There's a lot of reasons why we read things and we don't necessarily read, receive them. First of all is because chances are with our busy lives and that sort of thing, you don't necessarily see the signs or you don't hear the warnings or hear the instructions and therefore you don't necessarily receive the instructions, right? The second reason I think is because many times these things that we see out in the real world, out in life, they become all too familiar. The messages that we hear 
uh, become white noise. And so therefore, we don't necessarily receive what's being said to us. The other reason is the messages that we hear, they don't seem to be relevant to us. So they don't seem to pertain to us where we are in that particular place in life. Or we can falsely assume that the messages that we hear, well, that's, well, that's for everybody else, right? The, the truth is, is that James trying to tell us there's a big difference between reading something and receiving something. And what James is going to tell us here is that what he believes, it's a heart issue. That it's really a result of the condition of the heart. If you really want to receive God's word, you've got to take a look at the condition of your heart. The first thing he says is how to receive God's word is that you have to receive it with a repentant heart. Look again at verse 21. It says, therefore get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. Now, before we go on, it may seem that James is saying that the prerequisite to God working in your life and doing real change and that sort of thing in your life and transforming you, the, the prerequisite to that is for you to clean up your life and get your act together. That somehow you've got you've to you've break a few habits, you've got to mend a few relationships, you've got to clean up a few messes in your life, and then, and then God's going to start to do uh, something in your life, and he's going to start to affect change in you, he's going to transform you, and he's going to change you. And quite frankly, that belief has caused many of you to be hesitant about engaging with God. Because when you take stock in your life and you evaluate where you are, what you've done in the past, and where you are in, in, in current habits, you go, well, I'll tell you what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to clean things up a little bit, I'm going to get things right, and then I'm going to get my life right with God. But that's not what James is saying here. James is not telling us you need to get right with God. He, needs, he says you need to change your attitude or your mind about the condition of your heart. That you've got to decide, and you've got to decide now to begin to see your heart condition the way that God sees it. And then you have to decide to agree with God on the solution for it. It's called repentance. That word repentance simply means to change your heart or to change your direction. For many of you, it's just deciding, I don't want to be here anymore. I'm not going to live this way anymore. And I need God's help to change. That's the first step is repentance. In order to receive God's word, we've got to come to God's word or approach God's word with an attitude of repentance. The second thing he says there in verse 21, it says that we have to humbly accept the word or humbly receive the word. We have to receive God's word with a humble heart, with a heart of humility. And this is, this is coming to the realization that you're not God and that he is. That if anything of significance or powerful is gonna happen in your life, it's not gonna be because of your efforts or your abilities. That the kind of change and transformation that you want to happen in your life is gonna take place only by the power and the grace of God. That it's not gonna be by your efforts and not by your achievements, but saying, God, if anything's gonna happen here, it's gonna be because of you and your spirit. That doesn't mean that we don't cooperate with God and we cooperate with his spirit in our life. That's what spiritual disciplines are for. That's why we engage with God's word because it's, it's what spiritual disciplines like reading God's word and praying and, and being in community with other people and serving, what those things do it's put us in the best possible position to be affected and changed by the Spirit of God. It's God who
who affects change in our life. It's not our abilities or strengths. Look, look at what 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 7 says. It says, so neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is really anything, but only God who gives the growth. Spiritual growth is gonna happen by the Spirit of God only. And so what we have to do is say this. We're gonna have to come to God and say, I want change, but God, it's gonna be on your terms and in your timing. We usually get it the other way around, don't we? We come to God and say, okay, God, I wanna change, but here's how I wanna change, and here's when I want to change, right? But if we really want spiritual transformation in our life, we have to humble ourselves and say, God, you're the only one that can do it, and so we're gonna do it on your terms, and we're gonna do it in your timing. Here's, what I've, here's the whole principle of this idea, is that spiritual growth is a gift. It's not an accomplishment. And the last thing that I think James tells us about how we receive God's word, he says that you have to receive God's word with an attentive heart. Look down in verse 25. It says this, that, that you must look intently into the perfect law. Now translated, that simply means we gotta pay attention. You gotta pay attention when God's word is being taught, read. The truth is, is that I don't know about you, but our lives get so crazy and busy that we'll walk into church Without, without really a sense of expectation that the God of the universe, the God that created you, the God, the God that loves you, wants to speak to you right now. And yet our lives are so crazy, we begin thinking about all the things that we've got to do next, the places that we're gonna go, where we're gonna eat, you know, that, that sometimes I think we miss what God is trying to say. God's speaking to you right now. He said, I got something to say to you. And it's gonna change your life, but we're not, we're not paying attention. We're not leaning in. And what he's saying is, is that you've gotta remove distractions from your life and look intently into the word of God or you're gonna miss it. You're gonna miss it. Um, a, a few years ago, our team flew down to this place where we were gonna do some mission work with our students. And we always do this. We go down and do kind of a pre-trip where we meet with the churches that we're gonna work with and we get all of the logistics in order so that when we show up and do our mission work, everything's ready to go for our students. So we, we knew this was a 24-hour trip. We're flying in for 24 hours. We're gonna get everything done and then we're gonna fly out. So we landed in this location and uh, immediately I hit the ground and I was in go mode. You know what I mean? You know, we've got a lot to accomplish in a very short period of time and so we get to the first church and this pastor begins showing us around the area in which our students are gonna be working. He shows us his community. He talks about his church. And the whole time I'm sitting there going, man, man, this is all good, but just, just tell me what you want us to do when you want us to show up. That's really what we're here for, right? And so I'm trying to speed this guy along and then we're off to our next place and I'm moving along, you know? And it was, it was almost as if, look, if you'll just show us what to do, we're gonna come down here in a few weeks and we're gonna bless your church. It's gonna be amazing. I got back to the hotel that night and I'm sitting down and I've been reading this book called Soul Keeping and um, I opened the book and began reading and it was talking about, he was talking about the parable of the soils and relating that to the condition of your heart. And it was almost as if, not almost as if, God spoke to me in that moment, said, Greg, the condition of your heart right now, the soil of your heart right now is so hard. I've been trying to plant seeds all day. I've been trying to speak to you all day and you haven't heard a word. And I thought back to 
what I had done all day and all the things that we had accomplished. And I thought, ah, oh, the arrogance and the ignorance that I lived out that, I, I just thought, I can't believe the way that I acted and the way that I thought that day. And so I said, okay, God, you're right. You're right. And I repented and I humbled myself and said, God, I want, you gotta change me. So the next morning we woke up and we went out and visited a few more churches. And we got to go to lunch with a bunch of pastors and the pastor that we met with was there. And so I made a point to sit across from him at the table. We're sitting across from the table. And I just said, hey, pastor, would you tell me your story? Man, tell me what God's doing in your community and what God's doing in your life. And guys, I heard the most powerful story of transformation that I think I've ever heard in that moment. I'm sitting there listen, listening to this pastor talk about where he came from, all of the experiences of his life, and the only thing that I could think of in that moment was, was it's a miracle that this guy is sitting across the table from me right now. It's a miracle that this guy is even alive. It's a miracle that God is doing what he's doing in this guy's life. And it's a shame that I almost missed it. Because my heart, the condition of my heart wasn't ready to receive. I wonder what the condition of your heart is right now. If we, there's a big difference between reading God's word and receiving God's word. In order to do that, we've gotta take a close look at the condition of our heart to really see and hear what God is trying to say. So don't read it, receive it. And the second thing he's gonna tell us is don't just hear it, you gotta do it. Take a look at verse 22. It says, don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. How do we deceive ourselves? By not doing what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Now I can relate to this particular illustration that James uses because every morning I get up in the morning and I look in the mirror and I go, wow. You know, and it ain't pretty, okay? And I do whatever I can and that sort of thing and then quickly walk away. And I, I tell you, I love my wife, but she is very honest and open with me. And she, uh, she'll walk up to me and go, really? You're gonna walk out of the house looking like that, <laughs> you know? She can see things that I did not see. Here's the difference, right? I, um, I, even though I saw the issue, I did nothing with it. Right, And in doing so, I only reaped a portion of the benefits that the mirror had to provide. The truth about God's word is, is that it reveals our true self to us. Every time you read it, every time you look at it, you get a picture of your true self, who you really are, your true identity, right? The, Hebrews tells us that God's word is living, active, and sh alive, and sharp. And it says it's able to peer back peel back even the spiritual pretenses that we put up and examine the, even uh, the motives and the attitudes of our heart. This is what God's word does to us, but by only hearing God's word and reading God's word, we only reap a portion of the benefits of what it can actually do, and that is change our lives by doing God's word. And then he tells us what those benefits really are. Look down, look down in verse 25. Uh, it says, the perfect law, it gives freedom. Now, I know what some of you guys are thinking. You go, wait a second. I don't typically equate God's law with freedom. 
I don't never, when I think about God's commandments, I don't necessarily think about freedom. When I think about God's commandments, when I think about God's law, God's instructions to us, I usually think about things that are restricting and limiting. I think about the things uh, that God says not to do, all the places that God says not to go, all the things that God says not to think about. I think about all of the ways that God's law and his commandments restrict my life, but James is saying something very very powerful here. He says that when it comes to God's law, it actually gives freedom. Now, how does that work? Years ago, my wife and I, when we got married, we decided, we decided that we were gonna live by God's standards when it came to our finances. And so we decided to follow God's word when it came to being faithful stewards of what God had blessed us with. So we decided two things, that we were going to, we were going to tithe, we were gonna give God first fruits, and then number two, we were going to save. We were gonna live on only a portion of our salary, and so we've done that for years. And I gotta be honest, when we first began following God's commandments, when it came to spiritual, I mean, when it came to financial stewardship, it didn't feel like freedom. I'm telling you, it didn't feel, it didn't feel liberating and freedom. As a matter of fact, it felt very limiting and restricting, especially when we began to see all of our friends and they were taking bigger vacations and they were taking more vacations and they were buying nicer furniture and bigger houses and they're buying cars and all that sort of thing. And I'm looking at us going, well, we've decided to live this way because that's the way God told us to live. And, and at first it felt limiting, it felt restricting, but I can tell you, now that we've been married for 17, 18 years, been married a long time. <laughs> 18 years. We've been married 18 years. <laughs> I'm gonna get that right, y'all. <laughs> We've been married 18 years. I can look back and I can look at where we are right now and I can begin to see the kind of freedom, the kind of financial freedom that following God's commands have, has given us Today, it didn't feel like freedom then, but we're living the benefits of it now, right? I know there's high school students and middle school students here today, college kids. You guys have all decided, many of you have decided to live by God's commands. You've decided to follow and do what God tells you to do and live for him, to follow, to live by your convictions and your values, and I know for you, for many of you, it feels incredibly limiting and restricting. Matter of fact, many of you who have chosen to do that, have, I've had conversations with you. You feel like you're alone. You feel like you're the only one that's living this way. And you see all your other, all your other friends and they seem to be enjoying a lot more freedom than you feel like you're enjoying. But let me just tell you this. I bet you could ask anyone here today. And if they could go back, they would make the decisions that you're making today. They would live by the convictions and the values that you're choosing to live by now because they're living on this side of it. And they say, I can tell you this, it doesn't feel like freedom now, but I'll tell you the regret and the shame and the, oh, I wish I had, doesn't feel like freedom now. Do you see that when God gives his commands, he's not giving us his commands to take something from us or to keep something from us. He's giving us his commands to preserve freedom for us. Do you see that? That God's commands, what he wants us to do, provides incredible freedom. There's freedom in following 
There's also a blessing in obedience. I know sometimes when we look at what God wants us to do and we're like, ah, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I don't know how this is gonna turn out. That doesn't, that doesn't seem to make sense in, in, in my world right now, especially when I look at what I'm going through and where I've been and that sort of thing, what God, you're telling me to do right now, you're telling me to forgive somebody, you're telling me to live this way, you're telling me to, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but I can tell you this, that there's a blessing in obedience. Verse 25 tells us they will be blessed in what they do. There's a great story in uh, the book of Joshua. And God had promised the Israelites, his people, that he was gonna bring them into uh, the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Now, I know that doesn't, for a lot of you, doesn't like, what, milk and honey, what's that? I always tell our students, think of it this way. God promised them a land flowing with chips and salsa, all right? Sounds a lot better, doesn't it? Right? Especially if you're lactose intolerant, all right? It sounds a lot better, right? He promised this incredible land, and here these people are standing literally on the edge of walking into the land that God promised them, this incredible land of blessing. And the only thing that separated them from what God had promised was the River Jordan. And scripture says that the River Jordan was flowing over its banks because of the time of the year it was. And here's what God tells them. He says, now you're gonna go into the promised land and here's what I want you to do. I want the priests to go first, they're gonna carry the ark and the Israelites are gonna follow behind. And you're gonna get to the river and when you get to the river, I want you to set foot in the river. And when you do, it's gonna dry up. Matter of fact, it's gonna dry up way far away and then it's gonna recede in front of you and you're gonna be able to cross over on dry land. So I think, man, that's an incredible promise. The night before, they're really excited and they wake up the next morning and they look down at the river and they see that the river's still overflowing its banks. Can you imagine? I mean, you're looking down and we're going, we're, we're about to cross that, right? I nothing's changed. You would think, oh, last, you know what's gonna happen? Is I'm gonna wake up in the morning and God's gonna have already started the process and we're gonna see the water had receded and oh man, I can see God's already at work. Cool. And then, then we'll do what God tells us to do. But that's not what happened. They woke up and the water was overflowing its banks. So they gathered up all the people and they gathered the ark and they began walking down. The priests led the way. And here's what scripture says. It was the harvest season and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. But as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the ark touched the water at the river's edge. The water above that point began backing up at a great distance. So miles upriver, God was already at work. He was backing that river up, but he didn't do it until when? Until the priest had set foot in the river. They had to get their feet wet. And then God began to do what only God can do. Can you imagine what that felt like? They're literally walking down there and all the Israelites are going, uh, the river's still flowing. It ain't moving. Nothing's receding. You know. And if we step foot in this river and nothing happens, we're going to look like fools. What if God doesn't show up? Scripture says they walked down and they got their feet wet. And that you, had to, you have to know for a few moments because God said he stopped the river you know, upstream. And so as the river began to stop upstream, the, the water still had a few moments to recede in front of them. So they stood there and they could feel the rush of the water over their feet. And they just waited and said, God, it doesn't feel like you're doing anything. It doesn't feel like anything's happening. But we're gonna do it anyway. We're gonna get our feet wet. And then God did what only God can do. And the waters receded in front of them and the Israelites walked over into the land of blessing on dry land. I think what God is telling us today is for us, 
Some of us just need to get our feet wet. God has already spoken to you. I know for many of you, you've been here. You've heard God's word. He's, he's given you clear instruction about what you're supposed to do. Maybe the word you need to hear today is it's time to get your feet wet. It's time to step in the river and trust God for the results. Maybe some of you guys, I know, you've been thinking for a long time, we need to get into a small group. We need to get in a life group. We know, we know we've heard all the benefits of being in a life group and doing community with other people and doing life with other people and how much it helps you grow. But you don't understand, it feels awkward walking into a room with people you don't know. You don't know if I'm gonna like them or they're gonna like me, if we're gonna really like this whole thing. And I know all the excuses, but God is telling you, you gotta do it. So get your feet wet. Jump into a life group. You see all the videos that we play every once in a while about all of the amazing things, unique things that God's doing through our church. Significant work all around the world. And every time you watch one of those videos, you feel the Holy Spirit nudging you and saying, you need to go in one of those. You need to get involved in a significant work around the world. And you go, oh man, I know I need to do it. I know I need to do it. Maybe 2019 is the year you get your feet wet. And you choose to get involved in his work around the world. Maybe God's telling you, you gotta forgive somebody. You've been holding on to this grudge for a long time. And man, if you knew what they did to you, oh my goodness, if I knew what they did to you, I, you would understand why you would feel so much animosity towards them, okay? I get it. But God's saying, forgive them. Maybe 2019's the year that you get your feet wet. And you say, okay, I'm gonna forgive them. I'm gonna let it go. And I'm gonna see what God is gonna do. Here's the whole principle. You do what God tells you to do, and he will do what only he can do in you. The blessing is seeing the power of God transform your life, but it starts by us being obedient to what he says. Here's to an amazing year, 2019, where we're gonna not just hear God's word, we're gonna receive it, right? We're not just gonna read it, we're gonna receive it. And we're not just gonna hear it, this year, we're gonna do it. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for your word and how clear it is and how powerful it is to change our lives. So God, will you help us this year to be obedient, to be faithful to what you've already revealed to us? God, I can't wait to see what you're gonna do this year in us and through us. We love you and we pray all of this in the name of Jesus. We're gonna invite you to stand right now. Let me tell you, don't leave, because this song, this song is so good. I don't want you to miss what God wants to say to you through the lyrics.
guys. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday. Thanks for listening today. For more biblical teaching and worship, join us for our church online live weekend services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. For more information about all the digital ministries of Lake Point, visit lakepoint.church/digital. Lake Point.